0: This is Spillin' the Syrup. I'm your host, Ryan McGregor, and today I'm chatting with Ben McEntee, also known as Bass Moi, or Ben Mac. He is originally from Ireland and based in London, UK. He's got his own record label called Crowned Records, and we're going to be spilling the syrup on what it's like to work in the music industry. I will be asking him about the creative process and how it flows. I will also ask the challenges that Ben faces and showcase some top-tier talent. I love music and I've always wanted to do an interview with a musical artist. I can't wait for you, syrup spillers, to listen to it. Here is a quick snippet of his song Infinity.
1: me higher. Oh, you know you're making me sweat. Don't you know you're taking me further? To places I ain't ever been.
0: Hey Ben, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm
1: good, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I'm very flattered. That was uh, a lovely introduction.
0: <laughs> very good. Well, I wanna know first and foremost, when did you realize you had a passion and a desire to pursue music?
1: I think I was probably a bit younger. So my kind of musical journey started when I was roughly six or seven. And I started the piano myself and my brother. We both started that at a young age. And I think it was only when I was roughly 15 or 16. I think I really started to appreciate music. And that was kind of as I got a bit older going into school. And I learned more about kind of, you know, modern electronic music and stuff like that. So that kind of it spurred it on a little bit.
0: Yeah. So do you have an education in music? And was that useful for you?
1: I do indeed. Yeah. So I was classically trained in the piano, which I think gave me a bit of an upper hand when it came to kind of reading and writing music. And then I studied music in secondary school in Ireland, which is just before uni for most people. And then I pursued music for one year, like training classical music when I went to uni and it wasn't really suited to me. And then I kind of, I decided to go down the route of music production. And I think that's pretty much where I you know, my passion lies and I kind of discovered that as I got a bit older. So yeah, I'd consider I have a bit of a background. All right. yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned the course and I want to ask you what's good and what's bad about the course. And then as a part two to that question, what is music production for anyone that doesn't know?
1: Cool, cool. I'll probably start with music production because I think, um, Yeah. yeah, sometimes it can be a bit confusing. So music production is basically you write, you produce and you record the actual, it could be an instrumental or it could be a full song. You might have vocals and stuff like that. And I think sometimes people mistake a DJ for a music producer. So they'll hear a DJ and they assume that they're under the same umbrella. Well, a music producer is the person that writes the music and you mightn't even know who they are, but sometimes they can create a hit and they're making it in their bedroom, kind of similar to like, you know, what I do a lot of the time. And that's basically what a music producer does. So they take beats, they take different drum samples, they write synths, top lines, and they put it all together pretty much in like the whole package. So if you were to hear a song on the radio, generally speaking, that's like the package of a music producer. Um So that would be kind of yeah the very a very broad <laughs> explanation of what a music producer is pretty much
0: yeah but that's very good so do you facilitate the whole hit making process do you are you able to find artists to come and sing on your songs because you don't sing on your tracks
1: uh, no i wouldn't put people through that i don't think. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> No, so there's basically there's different things you could get vocals so Anybody that kind of starts off with music, I'm not too sure if you've SoundCloud would be one of those websites. Yeah. And I think there's a few different producers that actually start off on SoundCloud and they literally just record their song. They might sing on it themselves and then they just upload it to SoundCloud. And generally that's how people kind of get their following from the beginning. So for me personally, I haven't reached out to many vocalists on SoundCloud, but there's a website called Splice. What they do is they have like professional vocal recorders and like people that go into the studio and do it professionally and you can use them royalty free. And that just means that you can take their vocal, you can use it as your own, but you don't put their name on your track and you can just call it your own track. So that's pretty much where I'd get most of my samples.
0: Well, that's great information for anyone that's thinking of wanting to get into this industry. So who do you want to work on your songs? If you could pick anybody oh that's a good question that's a juicy question i think anne marie do you
1: know the singer from the uk
0: so good
1: yeah and she funnily enough i think she does feature on some kind of poppy tunes dance music because that that's kind of my baby I, I don't know if i've said that but dance music is kind of the route i love going down i just i love making dance music but i think anne marie would be someone that i'd love to sing on it and yeah i, I don't know if you've known derma kennedy oh yes he's kind of like golden child at the moment coming out of ireland in terms of singing so yeah he'd be pretty cool to get on a track as well so i don't know maybe 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 down the line who knows
0: yeah emory is a great pop vocalist and for all the north americans that are listening that don't know dermot kennedy check him out his music is so good you probably heard some of his songs they're getting really popular now and they're playing on the radio
1: yeah, and it's funny with Dermot as well. He only started off busking in Dublin city centre. So he pretty much started out in the streets. He really, really grinded hard and now he's pretty, pretty big. But now, actually, Ryan, who would you pick? If you were to pick someone, who at the moment would you pick to sing on a song if you got to work with them?
0: Wow. Okay, yeah, that's exciting because my mind immediately thinks of Miley Cyrus.
1: Oh, that's a good shout. <laughs> what kind of style are we talking
0: You like dance. You also like EDM. I like dance. I like EDM. I actually like all music. It's hard to pick my favorite one, but I love pop music, any kind of pop music, electro pop, punk, pop, any sort of variation of that. So I think she's very versatile and she's also really in the zeitgeist and she knows what's hot right now. And I like that. And she's confident.
1: A hundred percent. And I think that's the thing about Miley as well, is that she can pretty much do any type of music. Like now she's pretty much doing country music, which, you know, for a lot of pop artists, I think that's quite like a versatile yeah. feature to have in your bank as a singer. So it's it's a good trait. Very impressive.
0: Right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what modern trends in music do you like? Because I think I would say that is a trend that we, we just said about mixing genres.
1: Yeah. That's a good question, because I think nowadays people really aren't afraid to test the waters with different styles. So I think before when like electronic music really started to burst onto the scene, I think there were certain different genres that were acceptable and some that were very much underground. So people would really test the water. For instance, some of the different drum sounds, they might go um, quite, I don't even know, that, like ethnic drum samples and mm-hmm. stuff that really is quite... Niche in terms of a music genre, but nowadays anything goes, so I mean people will really try different mixing different genres together. perfect example, I'm not too sure if you've heard of Diplo yes, yeah, so Diplo would be like a perfect example of someone that really twisted the whole thing of the dance scene, so he started i think it was Mumbaton was the type of genre he originally started making, and when he veered into dance music, he actually kind of brought that like tribal dance the kind of rhythmic element to it. And now when he's done collabs with Justin Bieber and stuff like that, he's, he's made it like he's created these sounds that I don't think you would have realized at the start would work. And now everybody listens to it on the radio and you wouldn't even think twice, which I think is, it says a lot about how times are changing in terms of music as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I really like about dance music is the fact that you, you're in the club and You're feeling yourself and you're feeling the song, and it just takes you to another place. You are like outside of your body. I feel like I have this sort of experience. It's like an alternate universe. And I think that's one thing I think that was missing during the pandemic for clubs and for the artists that released music for the club scene that didn't get to be played, that we couldn't dance along to. And so, music, I think, in its rhythmic elements, has a very sort of spiritual element to it. Has very ancient origins, as far as people have been making music forever, even when they were in caves. I'll say, a hundred percent. The thing
1: about like festivals and gigs and stuff like that is the music is really, really good, and I think what it does mainly is it actually brings people together. And like as you said, that like spiritual experience. I love going to festivals that you feel like you're a part of something because you're surrounded by people that are there for the same reason and it doesn't even really matter what type of music it is I think that's why festivals like for that year gap that we had that there were very little gigs very little festivals and stuff like that when you do go back to them you just really appreciate something so simple that you really you realize that you kind of need like people kind of need that release from everyday work and you don't stress about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, in that sense it really helps people as well pretty much.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And I think it's fair to say that music is the backdrop to our lives. We listen to music at the gym, in the shower, going to work, on the bus,
1: having a dance in the shower, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we we need artists to give us this content and appreciate the vibe. Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) What's your creative process? Describe it. How does a song come to you? So how does a beat come to you? Are you just sitting there and all of a sudden you hear that in your mind? Sometimes
1: it's really, really weird. So you might be listening to a different song and you might hear a very like faint background. Um, Maybe it's like a a top line or something really, really subtle that you wouldn't pay much attention to, but then you kinda you hum it in your head or you might have an idea like that. And sometimes what I do is if I have my phone close by, I just sing the melody. And it sounds awful when I listen back. I wouldn't put anyone through it, but even for myself, what I do is I'd sing into it. So then when it comes to the point of sitting down and writing music, I listen to it and I go, Oh, okay, how can I use that like type of idea? That's one way I do it.
0: That's very smart
1: it works and some people record their vocals and then use them in tracks but for me personally i'm one of those people that just i'll sit down and whatever happens happens now sometimes it's beautiful sometimes your neighbors would be fuming because it might be it might just be the most repetitive thing they'll hear for a while (laughs) sometimes it works and doesn't and it's a patience game i think as well, big time
0: so we're not going to get a karaoke session from you anytime soon ben
1: not just yet. Listen, if you're good at doing something, don't do it for free. You know what I mean? Right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's very true. I want to talk about one of your songs really quick for you.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: Immediately just gets stuck in my head. And I think it's just incredible that you are able to do that. And I just feel so energized. I just listen to it. I'm like, I know that beat's going to drop and I'm going to feel so powerful. I'm going to feel so good about myself once it does.
1: That's really lovely. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, when you make music, a lot of the time you do it for yourself, but that's, yeah, at the end of the day, if someone can listen to it and get a feeling out of it, that's, I think that's the end goal, being perfectly honest.
0: I think it deserves to be shared, and I think it deserves credit from others. Who is your biggest musical influence and your idols?
1: Another good question. You're throwing good questions at me here, Ryan. (laughs) I mean, there's people that kind of set the like set the standard with dance music. So I, I, these are kind of big names that you'd know is like Tiesto, David Guetta. And the reason being is that when they first were starting their career, they were starting this road to dance music, which not many people had kind of ventured into. And they set a standard and they set this kind of expectation. And I think because of that, it gave a lot of people inspiration. So some of the earliest dance music that ever came out would be from David Guetta. And to this day, he's still prominent. He's still at the top of the charts. He's creating music that, you know, still people really, really enjoy. And I think that's just raw talent. Someone that can go for that long in their career and not at any point dip, I think is just an inspiration. And even the music that he writes, like, it's just so creative. And he's got the likes of Akon and stuff on his tracks. And that's pretty cool. Like, (laughs) you know, someone that can do
0: that. Yeah, well, that's a great example of longevity in the genre. When I think of EDM and I think of dance, I think of certain periods of my life where I saw the genre get big. So when Dead Mouse came out, and even Avicii, sort of those years of being in early university, that's when I saw it go from the underground to the above ground. And then. It also has an effect on mainstream music because artists like Britney Spears take little bits of that, and in her track "Till the World Ends," you can really hear that EDM influence.
1: It's the same with like the likes of Will I Am from Black Eyed Peas. There's been a bit of stigma around him as well although he uses dance music he's actually been known to <laughs> take music without clearing it or even giving credit to some of the artists as well so you have someone with the likes that uses the influence of dance music and then you have the other side of it where sometimes it can come out and an artist that might be as big they will literally take the track the instrumental put their big name on it and i don't think anybody's going to argue with someone like Will I Am will sing on a track that for an artist that doesn't really know it as well. And it's happened a few times in the now, not just Will I am. I mean, it does happen out there. Right. Yeah. That's also the other side of it as well.
0: Yeah. It's not, it shouldn't just be for big artists that want to reinvent themselves, especially if they're not giving credit to the original artist. It's supposed to be for people that are really passionate about this music. There's a certain amount of dedication there. It's really respectable. I think that's what the genre needs too.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing with music as well, there's no like straight way to do it. So any other career you go into, you have your, you know, you start, you work your way up the ladder and there's like a progress to that. You have structure music's one of those things that there's no structure at all you don't know whether you're doing something right you don't know whether the decisions you're making whether it's musically whether it's releasing are the right decisions so nearly every element of it has a risk factor when you decide on a decision you make whether you hand away the rights of your music to a label you expect the label to put their utmost energy into it and to try to promote and invest in you as much as possible but that's not always the case and i think a lot of that is learning as well you've got to make mistakes to kind of go okay i'm not going to do that again or i'm not going to give all the rights to that sometimes it's better to keep your rights but you never know you don't know if a track's going to do well or not it's a lottery of it yeah it's tough one
0: yeah yeah Yeah. giving away that creative control when you give it to them and i think that is sort of a, a risk in all creative industries
1: yeah, 100%. And I think it starts with that level of trust and you try to build on that. But a prime example is kind of funny as well is Spotify itself. The actual founder, the person that came up with Spotify, he's absolutely smashed it in terms of, you know, if you get your music out there on Spotify and then overnight, you can do really, really well. And that's all it takes is that once you get your name and you get a bit of credit behind that, it can really set off your career.
0: It's funny you bring up Spotify. I'm, I'm going to ask you about Spotify now because... There might be a lot of feelings about Spotify. You gave some pretty positive feedback from your perspective and how basically the distribution of music has changed because it's easier through Spotify digital era. Has this made, do you think, saturation in the industry an issue? And if so, how do you combat this?
1: Yeah, I don't know the exact number. I think you are right. They have a ridiculous amount of uploads every single day to Spotify. So there is that argument that it's consumer thing as well that if you give someone a lot of like a lot of music at once it takes away the value of it nearly in a way and the thing about spotify is that um, when you upload it now in all fairness they give artists the opportunity to submit it to their tastemakers so when you if you know three weeks or four weeks in advance that you're going to release a tune oh, okay there you have a spotify for artists and it's different to the actual spotify app that you can see your stats you can see where your tune's being played and It's informative like that. And you can actually submit your release before it happens, like three weeks in advance. And if the Spotify tastemakers like it, they'll put it on their playlists. And some of their playlists have a massive following, but there is that element of competition as well, that you are a little fish in a big ocean. It comes down to quality at the end of the day. You have to have something worth listening to that's going to stand out from the rest and be, you know, quality at the end of the day. That's the struggle, I think.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think there has to be a certain amount of quality always, but also uniqueness, what people want to listen to.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And even from your perspective, how have you found it with Spotify? Because this is obviously now with your podcast, you've you've uploaded quite a few episodes, you're really gaining momentum. Like how have you found it using it?
0: Well, yeah, I love Spotify. It is completely a game changer, and I think it's made creating easier especially from the podcasting perspective there is some of those same issues that you just described there is a lot of people doing it so there is a very crowded market and i just think it's interesting how we got to this place because you know when we were kids it was for a brief while it was the cassette in the car and then it was the cd yeah and then it was mp3s and the first sort of incarnations of the uh, of the i uh, what do you call it the uh, Apple one, and that product is called iPod, iMac, iBook, iPod.
1: Oh, the iPod. <laughs> yeah, the iPod. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's it. The iPod. We were using LimeWire and stuff to download our songs. Yeah, LimeWire was a dangerous, but. <laughs> Because at the time, it completely changed the music industry. They weren't prepared for the shift. And I think that and also with the downturn in economies, record labels lost some money that year and the whole industry had to sort of shift very quickly. And I think with Spotify, from a musical perspective, I think they've been able to figure out when the change is coming before it was too late. Yeah, you're so right.
1: I think they timed it absolutely perfectly i think there was a lot of skepticism to it as well when they first came out and people thought the idea of like paying i'm not sure how much it is a month now i think it's 10 quid or whatever a month Mm -hmm. there was uncertainty about it is this worth it and i think you once you realize how convenient the whole thing is that you can play it on different devices you can create your playlists, you can stream without ads and that's the stuff. It's just ease of access. It's ease to get to the what you want to listen to. But this also comes back to the idea of saturation. And if you make it so easy for people, appreciation for the music itself gets taken away a little bit because back in the day you'd have vinyls, you'd have to get the cd you'd have to go into the store and there's that bit of work that you've nearly worked for it a little bit yeah well now all you need to do is just get your phone out and within two seconds you can have what you want to listen to as well and i think that's where live events come back in is that it's work that's given to you while it's not as easy to just get your phone out. It's an actual experience while listening on the bus, listening when you're subconsciously not even paying attention to it. I think it devalues it a little bit. I think just a little bit.
0: Yeah. You mentioned live performances. they are still on the up and up. People still want those and now they're going to start touring again. What do you think of award show performances? Because when I was a kid, this is what I loved to watch if it was the teen choice awards now i'm not sure the equivalent of that in ireland maybe they had that but i know you had ntv we also had much music in canada watching them on tv that was a big deal i don't know if i'm just not the demographic anymore but not so much of a big deal I'm on the same page. I think it comes back to as well
1: as that when we were younger and you'd see like something on TV, like a live performance like that, it was original and you didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what kind of quality you were going to get at the end of that. But now when you look at some of the music videos that people make and the amount of money that they put into them, some of the music videos you see are just crazy, absolutely crazy. And a perfect example is Childish Gambino. Do you know This Is America? Great video. Yeah, 100%. And that video in itself, I don't know how much they how much money they put into that, but when you're giving a music video like that and then you compare it to some live performances, I think nearly the quality of it will just outweigh your expectations of a live show sometimes and don't get me wrong it's like live theater it's anything that is live you have a bit more appreciation but mm-hmm. I, it comes back to this i mean ease of access for us to just see music videos compared to you know something that we're still going to watch on tv as a live performance it's marginal and you're always looking for that perfect quality which you mightn't get with live performances from a tv aspect if we're watching it as like a music award or something like that and i think that's it as well like what do you think? Obviously you admired them when you were younger and stuff would you watch them now would you kind of give it a miss nearly
0: yeah i just want to say i totally agree with you that's a great perspective i do watch them and i do enjoy some performances i just don't find them as interesting one thing that's also changed over the years is the fact that music videos are easily accessible MTV used to have a certain amount of music videos on rotation and they were kind of exclusive. When they played it, that's when you saw it. A few years later, when you texted whatever the number was. It was so good. Yeah, and you paid a dollar. I don't know if it was a dollar. I can't remember. It was worth it though. <laughs> it was so worth it. Now you can just go watch it whenever you want. So I don't feel like I need to tune in as loyal i think maybe a part of it as well is that there's that element of fomo like the fear
1: of missing out if you don't watch it then how can you join it yeah that's nearly the element now is like if i don't watch it i won't be able to talk about it whether it's on social media or in person or whatever so i think it's the balance
0: yeah what makes a
1: great song yeah this is all down to personal taste and stuff like that but i always think and i think with the majority of people it's something that's like a hook or something that's catchy. And so it'd be something that's firstly memorable, whether it's the chorus of a song, like Alor on dance. Do you know the one by Stromae? on dance. It's like a saxophone in the background. Yeah. It took that man, I think, 30 minutes. There's actually a video on YouTube of him making the song from scratch. It takes him 30 minutes. And that became one of the biggest songs in the world. And it's just because he is the really, really catchy hook in that. And that's one of the things I think is that it's something that is catchy and it's easy to remember. Sign of a good song. If you can listen to it and come away and then you realize you're humming to it, you're already onto a winner. The second thing I think is the actual production of it as well. If you have something that just sounds good on anything, it could be a car radio, really cheap earphones. If you have like a really bassy speaker, anything that sounds good, like across the board, that's also like you're onto a winner as well. That's the music production my love of music production coming out on that. So that's, that's mine. But like, if you were to pick, what would you, what would you hold on to with a piece of music?
0: I like songs that have a bit of a build and they start, it drops into some kind of dance sort of element. That's something catchy. You can have a groove. There's a rift. What's a rift?
1: A rift. It's just a music idea. Yeah. A rift is just like a top line or a melody or something like that.
0: What's coming to mind right now is Katy Perry. Oh, she's, she is a champ though. Yeah teenage dream heard that song like that is so catchy it builds up and it explodes into this like sort of arena style takes you there and then it comes back down again
1: it's the emotional thing of it it takes you on a journey that you're getting that energetic feel and then suddenly you can relax again but yeah i think that's what makes a good track it has everything you know also that's like that's it if it it has the whole package people will hold on to that 100 percent
0: I know that you have playlists. I don't know what's on your playlist right now. If you wanted to share with our listeners some artists that you have on your playlist that they should check out. Oh, okay. I'm going to look at mine too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have to share tunes here now. This is good pastime.
0: on. I have the Chainsmokers.
1: Closer. I was about to say that. It's closer up there because I think that's in nearly every person's playlist ever. Yeah. Oh, Griff. I don't know if you've heard Griff. or I F F. No. Okay, she's a song called Black Hole, and I think it's like top 10 on the UK charts at the moment, but she's an example of someone that's just literally over the past, I'd say six to 10 months has just blown up, maybe a year. I've seen her name and I kind of looked into it, but she's really, really blown up in the last year, and she's actually really good songs as well.
0: Wow, she's gorgeous in her cover. She's rocking it.
1: Really good artist, very good singer. Dominic Fike, I think is killing it at the moment as well. Do you know the song Three Nights? by dominic fike no oh i don't okay i'm not even gonna try sing it because i won't do any favors to but yeah dominic fike is very good
0: what about you what what ones are you looking up? everybody's gonna be wanting to hear you sing now (laughs) no no i can't that's karaoke night i can't be doing that i was listening to some edm tracks that i liked over the years i have dead mouse i have the veld i have where are you now skrillex diplo justin bieber oh yeah I'm really into Lil Nas X. That's what I want. Yeah, that's a great tune. I've got Labyrinth. Just wanted to feel a little bit my emotional self. Oh, Labyrinth. Yeah. Has he had any new music in the last one? I don't think so. I just remember when I
1: hear Labyrinth, I just think he had a few like really bopping songs, like really good songs. And then I haven't heard anything in the last year or two. I don't know if that's just because I haven't tuned into what he's doing, but I don't know if that's, yeah, he's kind of gone off the radar a little bit
0: is it called the sophomore sort of curse getting that second record out and having it be successful?
1: Well, that's actually a good thing is that I personally feel that consistency is probably the most important thing about being successful is that you could have a one hit wonder. If you follow up with a song, firstly, that's way too late after that. So if there's a big gap, then people are going to look elsewhere. There's going to be someone else that's going to be in the spotlight and you're completely going to be in the shadows about that. And secondly, there's a lot of pressure for the second tune that you release to be equally as good or better than the first one. And if you've already got a, a winner on your hands with the first track, there's that pressure to get the second one just as good. And that also, I think, can let people down is that they nearly over try it or they overcompensate or they make the second tune just too similar to the first because the first one's the, the recipe for success worked, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. If you were to pick up a name, who would you think that you've listened to a while ago and they've just completely vanished or just disappeared that you know they had that one song and it was gone
0: watching a documentary recently on Vanessa Carlton and she was talking about her time in the music industry of course a thousand miles big massive hit I in it the whole story of how the cassette yeah. that she had done that song on was in the bottom of a paper bag and Ron Fair picked it up and put it in, and then he spent all night on it. And then he said this is gonna be a hit, and then it was a hit, and then there were issues with the label as far as the direction and second song and feelings about being famous and yeah. recording and performing is not the same as it is when you're that level, when you're sort of an independent musician. Actually, still writes her own songs and puts out her own songs, but certainly not to the same fanfare and mainstream success level that, yeah but i think she's happy she had the one big hit yeah it's funny as well because i watched the
1: same one and she was speaking that like from a young age when you're thrown in the limelight like that you don't know like firstly you, you lose your social life and you lose all private elements of, of your life as well like i mean she was saying that there were paparazzi everywhere and she had to take a break from that like she, i think she might have released one more song after a thousand miles i'm not too sure i remember terry cruz actually talking to that basically his love of that song <laughs> he's he is just honestly one of the best people in the world i remember watching that and i was like he is a good guy
0: <laughs> a great endorsement
1: Yeah. oh i mean if terry cruz is backing you i think you've succeeded in life to be honest but well yeah that movie is just phenomenal to be honest if you haven't seen it you have to watch it i think everybody's pretty much seen it but yeah 100 percent.
0: white chicks you mean
1: that's the one (laughs) that's the one i'm there assuming everybody knows it yeah from terry Crews singing it
0: just what a pop culture staple it became too
1: yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent i think that's what that movie is known for now is that car scene it's absolutely beautiful
0: definitely iconic when are we going to be hearing your music and movies is the question
1: i love like writing scores and stuff like that and it's a little different but it's quite hard to get into that industry. So I've kind of, for my brother, when he was in college, he studied film and short film like that. And he had to do a few different, basically like final projects. So I was lucky enough. He actually asked me what I do the music for it. So that was my first experience writing music to film, which is kind of weird because you're given a video with no music, just people talking. And you really have to try get the feelings across of that scene. I was 14, 15, maybe I think. And I'd done the score and I've done it once after that, and then I haven't done it since, but it's who you know. You have to have portfolios and experience, and it's the experience part is the tough one that you have to do it for other people's movies. It's one of those that you have to kind of perfect your art because it's more musically, I honestly think it's a lot more challenging to write scores because there's a lot more progress, there's a lot more instruments, and it has to make sense. While I think dance and pop music, you can get away with repetitive ideas, you can get away with crazy quirky sounds while writing scores is solely your writing music which i think is yeah yeah it's it's a lot more i think a purer form of music now i could get backlash for that but i honestly think it's it takes a lot more skill to be able to write to something and try convey an emotion that well that's what music does but i think scores yeah it's tough
0: yeah can be very difficult to convey a very vulnerable emotion, not just yeah. a very happy or comedic emotion. It sort of takes a different kind of artist. I think of John Williams in the Harry Potter score. It involves a lot of instruments. When I think of a score, I really have a certain feeling. I'm like, I need to feel this out, especially if I'm very emotional or moody about something when I don't want to hear anybody singing. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah when you just want to breathe her from it and like you kind of know you kind of know what to expect when you listen to it and i think a perfect example as well as Hans zimmer yeah he's nailed it i don't know anybody else that can get to his level on just writing pieces of music like the one for inception and stuff like that like that you hear those scores and you think straight away like you it brings you back to the movie and like the scene in the movie as well and yeah that to me is just raw talent you know i think he knows that as well i don't need to say that (laughs) i don't think he's going to listen to me giving him credit
0: ah he should though
1: yeah he's he knows what he's doing he's a good guy
0: (laughs) and you mentioned sort of the journey of an artist and i think everybody has different goals some people go into music because they want to be famous some people have a passion for it sometimes it's a little bit of both this came to mind rebecca black and friday yeah sort of an icon now on social media. You need to have these sort of ways of getting your creativity out there. What would you say you're doing right now to do that? Because I really think that this is your time. Oh, thanks. It's a really good question. And I think it's
1: one that people really need to consider if they do decide to go down the music route. So for me, when I was younger, there was definitely an element of naivety to it. I thought this would be A straightforward route I thought I'll give it three or four years I'll perfect my craft and that's it it's going to be easy someone's going to pick me up it's not the case and there's a few like pieces of recommendation I'll give for anybody that wants to write music anybody that wants to pursue a career in music there's things that you really need to pay attention to firstly it's going to take time and I think they say that in order to perfect something it takes 10 years that's what they say I'm currently writing and producing music for 11 years and I definitely haven't got to any point in my career so far that I think I've you know really achieved something I set out to when I first did this. yeah so one, one of them is patience you just got to be so so patient and I'm sure you're aware you know yourself starting a podcast you just you got to put the work in and it's the work that people don't see in the background so while other people are out you know enjoying time with their friends when people are sleeping when people are getting up a bit later than usual for work you've got to make the most of your time as well yeah and that's something that Only you can decide, you know, how valuable your time is because it's something you can't get back. And it's only the amount of time you give to something you're going to reap the rewards of that. I'm getting a little sidetracked anyway, but I just think, yeah, there's no set in stone, but you just got to perfect your craft and you just got to give it time. Like you just got to get comfortable doing it.
0: I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think people think that being creative is easy and it's not. It's far from it. So I think that's really good advice, though for anybody listening that maybe is intimidated by the music industry and getting in there because i think sometimes people suffer a bit from imposter syndrome and i think the truth is that once you know that you have something to offer whether you compare yourself to others which you shouldn't or not it doesn't matter because you have what you have and it is worth something
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to be your hardest enemy. You're going to be your worst enemy. Yeah. And the people, this was actually a great piece of advice as well. Basically it's some people, you mentioned it earlier, some people get into certain careers for fame and for elements like that. And I think they get lost in what, you know, what their original pursuit of that was. And when you're creative or when you're trying to do something and you're trying to be successful at it, The people that you should really try to, you know, make proud or impress are your friends and your family. That's it. Yeah. Forget about people you don't know out in the world because the ones that are going to be honest with you are the people close around you. And I've noticed that as well. Like if I, for instance, I know you've made you listen to some music before and honestly, the best kind of feedback is just honest feedback. And I think that's what your close friends will do. If something's crap, they're going to tell you it's crap. And I mean, that is what you want to hear. You don't want someone that never met you, someone that doesn't know your journey or whatever the people around you that are closest to you and that, you know, value what you do, they're the ones you want to work for. And they're the ones you want to make proud. When you kind of put that little voice in your head, every time you're doing something creative, it takes a bit of pressure off you because, you know, whatever you do, they're going to give you the credit for and they're going to help you. Whatever route you go, pretty much. And that's in any walk of life.
0: It is certainly in any walk of life and their feedback, that positive feedback that they give you that means so much. I think that credit, you earned it. And it is worth so much to have that positive feedback. And sometimes I think that can be overlooked because it's not somebody else. It's not the masses that are telling you just because it's your family or close friend. But like you just mentioned that you shouldn't worry about that. And I think that's absolutely true. So I'm going to say this. Whenever you do your first music video, if you need someone to just like dance in the back, like... You uh,
1: are the first listener. Oh uh,
0: yes. I already, you're the first man. Okay. You're the first man.
1: Yeah. We need to Sweet. I don't know what type of what type of dancing are we gonna do though, right
0: You know, whatever the vibe is, if I need to just like be sillier or if I need to just dance like I'm at the club. You've sold it. I you don't even need to sell it anymore. You've, yeah, you've got the job. You've okay. got the part. <laughs> well thanks so much, Ben.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. My
0: pleasure. For taking the time to talk about your music and
1: being here honestly it's been my pleasure thank you very much for having me
0: and thank you to all the loyal listeners i've noticed the interest going up and that is great to see my goal for the podcast is to have it have 100 new subscribers so please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon thank you very much and goodbye